This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Good afternoon. Very nice to be uh, once again in California, in San Diego, at a Carter meeting. In the course of the last uh, 8 million years, um, the hominins, the, the tribe of primates to which we belong, uh, displayed a uh, remarkable uh, diversity. And um, what you see on this uh, chart is that for almost any uh, period of the past, there was always several species of hominins existing on Earth, sometimes in the same regions, which is kind of puzzling for, for us because today there is only one species of hominins, I would say fortunately, and, um, and, and this species, Homo sapiens, uh, displayed a remarkable uh, evolutionary uh, success and an adaptive and reproductive success. It's present everywhere. It uh, expanded, um, replacing, displacing, or partially absorbing all other forms of hominins. And um, this situation, having a single species of hominin on Earth, it's in fact exceptional in many uh, respects and uh, prevailed only for the last, say, 40,000 years, which is nothing at the scale of geological times. And it's probably one of the most challenging um, uh, of the main challenges that, that uh, paleontology meets is to explain uh, why and how uh, this happened. Of course, we tend to um, think that technological progress, innovation played a major role, but it's, it's likely that also uh, social complexity and the ability that we have to create extended networks of individuals beyond local groups is essential also in this process. We have many reasons to uh, support the notion that our species originated in Africa. Uh, what genetics uh, says is that uh, the genetic diversity in Africa is much larger than elsewhere on Earth. And uh, the humans that we find outside of Africa seems to be a sort of subsample of uh, this African diversity. And of course, this matches this uh, notion of an out-of-Africa expansion of our species. We also have fossils. And um, we have a group of fossils, mostly uh, just after 200,000 years, that has been found in sub-Saharan Africa, and more precisely in East Africa, uh, that are rather close to us anatomically. They are rather close, but they are not really exactly like us, and we, we used to call them early Homo sapiens or early, um, early modern humans. I, I found this term modern humans a bit problematic because when we say modern humans for these hominins, we mean cladistically modern. It means they belong to our lineage because they were not really anatomically modern uh, nor behaviorally modern. And, and that's a bit confusing, I think, for the future. And so with these discoveries emerged the notion that there was in the past somewhere, maybe in East Africa, a sort of restricted Garden of Eden where in a, a sort of biblical way, suddenly, around 200,000 years ago, uh, a fully human creature, like us, uh, emerged and then later expanded. Uh, 
And this view that prevailed for a long time has been challenged by many discoveries these uh, past few years. And I want to take you very far from East Africa uh, in this landscape where you see in the back the Atlas Mountains in Morocco. Uh, it's a place called Jebel Iroud. I think it's difficult to be further away from East Africa when you're still in Africa. Uh, it, it's very far from Kenya. And uh, we are somewhere between the town of Marrakech and the Atlantic coast. And this place of Jebel Iroud is, is known by uh, paleoanthropologists and has been known for a long time because in the early 60s, uh, the exploitation of a, a barite mine uh, revealed an archaeological site, many bones, many lithics, and the workers of the mine found this skull and brought it to the, the medical doctor of the, the mine. Uh, this medical doctor uh, sent me a letter in the 90s explaining the discovery. The site was passed on to a professor of paleontology at the University of Rabat. And, and this fossil, I would say, did not really match the picture we had of uh, evolution of hominins in Africa. And it was long considered a, a sort of African Neanderthal. And it was it was seen this way because in the 60s, well, everything with a big brain and a big brow ridge was a Neanderthal. And so people would find Neanderthal anywhere. It's only later that Neanderthal were identified as a, a Western Eurasian uh, clade. I've been always interested in the Jebel Irud site. And uh, when I moved to the Max Planck Society in 2004, immediately I contacted my colleagues in Morocco uh, to resume works in the site. And initially, our, inten our intention was mostly to, uh, to date the site because uh, the, the, the exact age of this hominin uh, has been a, a mystery for, uh, for many years. And there were several attempts, but rather unsuccessful, to have a, an exact date. So we spent, I would say, years uh, cleaning the site and uh, exploring it. And we were lucky to find in a corner of this sort of quarry, because the site has been mostly destroyed by the mine and some other uh, excavations, uh, we found an in-situ sequence of about three meters of archaeological deposits. And uh, in this sequence, uh, the bottom of the sequence is very rich. Uh, there is a lot of uh, artifacts, uh, a lot of uh, remains of fauna, and also a lot of traces of uh, fire activity. And, and this was a great luck because uh, this fire burned flints. And so we could collect a lot of these burned flints. And burned flints are essential to implement a method that we call thermoluminescence to date sites. And so with these burned flints, we were able to provide a much more accurate dating of the site than ever before. Well, of course, when a paleoanthropologist starts digging somewhere, he hopes not to find only uh, burnt flints. So we're very lucky to find also uh, new hominins in the site. In fact, uh, in a couple of years, we, we tripled the number of fossils coming from Jebel Irud. Uh, we found many uh, postcranial remains, but also we found um, a, a partial uh, skull, uh, a fragmentary face, but rather complete. Also, an adult mandible that's 
fairly well preserved. I must say it's for, for this part of the uh, late Middle Pleistocene is probably the best preserved adult mandible that we have in Africa. This mandible is not like my mandible, it's not like your mandible, it doesn't have a very uh, prominent uh, chin, for example, but it has many features in its proportion and also in the dental features which are shared, shared evolved uh, conditions with, with us. And this is what of one of the arguments that led us to assign these uh, fossils from Jebelirud, not to the Neanderthals, as it was believed for a long time, but uh, to early, uh, an early form of uh, Homo sapiens. Regarding the age of the site, with uh, the, this method of thermoluminescence and using another method called ESR, we're able to provide a series of dates very consistent uh, assigning this deposit where we have hominins to a period of time around 300,000 years ago, which made these fossils from Jibeliru, the oldest uh, Homo sapiens that we know today uh, in Africa. They are much older than these East African forms that I showed you. And, and they, are not, they are not in the Garden of Eden. They are very far from the Garden of Eden, unless you consider all Africa is the Garden of Eden. From a morphological point of view, one of the most striking aspects of the fossils of Jebelirud is the face. And this face is very similar to our face. What you have here on the left is a chart showing you points uh, which are located on this two-dimensional space in relation to their morphological proximity. It's, it's something we call geometric morphometric. So the distance between points express the difference in shape. And what you see here is a big blue polygon representing the variation of present-day humans. The, the pink stars that you see are either fossils from Jebelirud or different possibilities of reconstructions of this fragmentary phase that I showed you, uh, Irud um, 10. And you see that they all fit into this polygon. So it means you could meet in the street the face of Jebel Irud today. Okay? Uh, in the meantime, you see also that what you have here, Neanderthals, and also middle places in hominins that were long considered to be ancestral to Homo sapiens are very different. So uh, about face, what's interesting is that Homo sapiens retain a number of primitive features that we have in erectus, and these forms, they are very derived compared to this primitive form. This being said, Irud and us do not have just an erectus face. It's, there are also some slight difference. We'll discuss that maybe tomorrow in, the, in our workshop. Regarding the, the brain and the brain case, it's a completely different story because um, the brain case of, of the Jebelirud hominins is a rather long and, and, and broad brain case. And so these, these, uh, these individuals did not have the sort of rounded globular brain that you find in uh, extant humans. Uh, again, on a geometric morphometric uh, analysis, you have extant humans in blue, very different from Neanderthals in, in red. Uh, erectus are at the bottom in green. They show the primitive condition. And again, you see that Neanderthals evolve in a very different direction 
than, um, than, than uh, Homo sapiens. And our, our fossil hominins from Africa, those from Yerud and the other ones from East Africa that I mentioned, are here along an arrow that's evolving gradually toward the, the modern condition. Again, middle Pleistocene forms that were considered to be ancestral to uh, sapiens possible, they group with Neanderthals in very different, very, uh, we say, derived uh, situa situation. So we can zoom in a little bit into this evolution of the brain in the last uh, three, four hundred thousand years. And um, what you have here is a, is a more detailed analysis of different groups of Homo sapiens of different ages. They are represented by blue polygons with uh, numbers uh, in relation to their age. Along the, origin, uh, the horizontal axis, what is represented is mostly size. And so what you see is the brain uh, size increase between erectus, Neanderthals, and sapiens. But also was what this uh, chart shows is that when Homo sapiens reach a brain size, which is about the brain size of a present-day humans, uh, 1400 cc, something like that, morphologically it started diverging in a completely different direction, uh, almost perpendicular to this trend. And along this axis, what you have is this increase of globularity of the brain. So you have the, the parietal area becoming more salient. And importantly, the cerebellum, this part of the uh, endocranium that is at the bottom of the brain in the back, that becomes bigger and bigger. This is one of the main features evolving in our species. Cerebellum has been long considered to be mostly involved in, in motor coordination, but we know now that cerebellum is involved in much more complex ta tasks. It's connected to many parts of the neocortex. It's involved in the reward circuits of the brain. It's involved in, in language. It's involved in uh, social interaction. And this is one of the features that we see developing in our species. So this, all these discoveries raise a number of questions. Uh, and the main one is the, the origin of our species, because uh, what paleogenetics tells us is that the split point between the lineage leading to Neanderthals and leading to Homo sapiens is somewhere around 650,000 years ago. So there is quite a stretch of time between 300,000 and 650,000. And uh, we don't have, uh, I would say, much evidence for this time period. For a long time, this middle Pleistocene hominins that we call uh, Homo heidelbergensis was considered to be a possible common ancestor of Neanderthals and uh, Homo sapiens. And today, and because what I just showed you, the fact that it's derived already on the side of Neanderthals, we see it more like a, a common ancestor of the Denisovans and the, and the Neanderthals. So it might be, I would say, essentially an Eurasian group. But the problem is that we also have it in Africa. And this is kind of puzzling. We have at, at least two fossils that we can assign to this uh, group in Africa, and we have indication that uh, it could have survived much later than we used to think. So that's, you know, again, it's something we have to consider 
uh, an African continent with different groups, the ancestors of Homo sapiens that we still have to identify, these sort of Neanderthal-like uh, creatures that may have survived for a while, Homo naledi, uh, so in other words, a much more diverse uh, situation that we imagine in a continent with some kind of mechanism of isolation for all these groups. The Jebel Irud uh, specimen, they are associated to um, what we call a Middle Stone Age uh, assemblage, a lot of uh, flakes and points, um, not any more indexes, and it's one of the earliest forms of this Middle Stone Age. We actually find soon after 300,000 uh, in South Africa and in East Africa, we find early forms of Middle Stone Age, and it's very tempting to relate uh, the expansion of our species at the scale of the continent with the development of this new kind of uh, technologies. Um, uh, of course, uh, we would like to have more fossils, uh, but we don't have that many. If we look at the, the fossil record in Africa after 300, we have mostly two fossils that could be something like the Irwood specimens, but they are very poorly dated. And what's really interesting with the, the Middle Stone Age is that is among these Middle Stone Age assemblages that we see gradually emerging more and more uh, complexity, cultural complexity with the development of uh, bone industries, a lot of points. Also the development of non-utilitarian uh, objects like these beads that has been found in different parts of, of Africa, and also a lot of diversification on the continent. This development did not occur just in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, just in one site in Morocco, uh, we have more than 300 of these beads, which are around 100,000 years old. So the new picture emerging about the origin of our species in Africa is first of all a, a much more, much older uh, coalescence point for all the lineages belong to our species, probably beyond 300,000, um, possibly a, a, a structured uh, of, of this population uh, in Africa for a long time. This is something difficult to test uh, based on the fossil evidence because we don't have much fossils. And it's quite possible also that the, these different branches that would have existed in different parts of Africa uh, could have been reshuffled by environmental uh, changes. As a matter of fact, Africa witnessed a lot of climatic changes during this time period. And in particular, we had occasionally the, um, the monsoon of coming from the Gulf of Guinea going much further north than today. And so we have a series of what we call Green Sahara episodes, by the way, one of them occurring just before the time of Jebel Irud, and a large region uh, today covered by desert, and it's very large, was, was peopled by, by hunter-gatherers living in a savanna with uh, rivers, with lakes, some of them as big as Germany. Uh, and so we have to keep this in mind uh, when we speak about the evolution of our species in Africa. In other words, looking at the location of present-day populations, for example, to reconstruct the past might be 
very misleading because it's likely that the descendants of all these people who left all these points all over the Sahara may be today in West Africa or in East Africa. So uh, we think that these episodes might be episodes during which advantageous mutations or innovation would have passed from one group to another. And this may explain why at the end of the Middle Stone Age we have these kind of beads that I showed you, uh, which are made from a very special type of shells, can be found from South Africa to Morocco and from Morocco to the Levant. I thank you very much, and I want to express my acknowledgments to all my colleagues who participated in the project and uh, to the Max Planck Society for its uh, very generous funding and the INSAP in Morocco for letting us work in Jebel Wood and supporting us. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.